Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. Well, I hope that we've all had just a wonderful week of being around the house and celebrating Christmas. Uh, ever since we got last got together this past Sunday for Christmas Eve worship, which was just a wonderful celebration. What a wonderful way to kind of really bring everything to a head in the year of 2023 and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior, together. Uh, it was, um, most, most of you would, would have had, had experienced that in kind of a one-hour block coming to church. Um, the staff here and everything, we were here for a lot longer than that. The first service was 9.30 a.m. The last service was 11 p.m. So y'all do the math. Uh, but what a wonderful, wonderful way to celebrate. And then turn around this week and, and be here. Be in this space where we're looking at the calendar turning over, where we're reflecting on 2023 and, and all that it brought us and, and all of God's blessings and uh, that this past year held, all of, all of the tough moments as well, all of those different places that life took us. We remember, we reflect, and, and yet we're also looking forward with hope. We're thinking about what's going to come. Because this weekend we'll, we'll gather around, uh, maybe quietly around the TV screen uh, in our homes to watch the ball drop. Um, or if you're like us and you have the little kids, around 7 p.m. you'll find one of the Netflix countdowns and, and just uh, tell one of those necessary lies of parenting. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, it's, it's New Year's. Um, we're, it's already happening. Let's just all go to bed. Um, or if you're out and, uh, celebrating and enjoying with friends, wherever you find yourself. I hope that you take a moment to reflect, but also to ask God to give you hope for the new year, because that's really what tonight is all about, gathering and, 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 and asking God to give us guidance for what is ahead, while we also give thanks for what's behind. And it's in moments like this that we set you know, our minds to thinking, what's going to be different about this year? What's going to be different about 2024 than what I experienced in 2023? You know, if 2023 wasn't that great, is 2024 going to be better and how? Or, or if 2023 was really good overall, I mean, can 2024 be better? We start playing those games in our minds and asking those questions and, and we start making New Year's resolutions, right? We start thinking about what are those things in my life that, you know, maybe I need to stop or quit? Or what are those things in my life that I, I should start? Um, you know, a really popular way of doing this kind of in the modern era um, is to do the, the word of the year. Anybody do the word of the year thing? Yeah, I see, I see a couple of hands. Um, so I have not done the word of the year thing before, but my wife is a big fan of this. She's been doing it uh, the last few years. So I was thinking through what I needed in my life. I was like, you know, I, I could, you know, I'm, I'm taking another year off the calendar. Maybe, maybe now is time for me to eat better, right? And maybe just kind of pay attention to, to health more and uh, make better diet choices and make sure that exercise routine is more regular than it is because it's not very regular right now. And so I, I picked for my word health. Just pay attention to all things health in life. You know, just give it my best. And, and Amber did one of those uh, word of the year generator thing. I don't know. It was on Facebook or something. Um, you know, you type in a, a few things about the year and what you're hoping and it generates a word for you. And hers was faith. And so we've been having conversations at home about health and faith, and these are good things. And, um, and yet, even in the midst of having hope in those areas, I've found myself thinking, well, I hope that this year isn't like all those other New Year's resolutions I've made in the past. Um, because if you're like me and you've made these, that January 1st, you're like all in, you're good to go, you're committed. And then maybe by the end of January, 
beginning of February, if you're lucky, uh, it kind of starts to fizzle out. Why? Because we get busy, kind of get back into the routine of things. Um, you know, family life starts spinning, the kids back, get back in school in January, a holiday break at work, if you had one, is, is over, and all of a sudden we're kind of back and off to the races. And so the thing is, when we make these resolutions, how many times do we, kind of when we lean on our own willpower, if we're honest with ourselves, how many times do we end up failing at that? How many times do we take these promises we made to ourselves and, and said, hey, this is going to be different in my life, and we just realize that we begin to drop it and let it go. But you see, there's good news. There's good news in this, because as people of faith, God doesn't leave us on our own. God doesn't hang us out to dry and have us lean on our own willpower and see if we can make it instead. God is very present in our lives. God is very present in the midst of every thought and every breath and every step we take, every moment that we live. And he's there to offer us the grace that we need to have the strength to continue forward. So that's kind of what I want to talk tonight about tonight as we get into our scripture. Um, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs tonight. Um, and I know this sounds cheesy, but I chose Proverbs 20, 24. I, <laughs> I, I hope the humor is, a, is on the surface enough for all of us to get that without me explaining it. Um, but as we get into Proverbs, just to, you know, just to kind of talk about what it is a little bit. You know, King Solomon, King, the son of King David, the second um, in, in the Davidic line there in, in the royal palace in Jerusalem, uh, was given a choice earlier in his life. And God said, hey, Solomon, do you want riches and wealth? Or do you want wisdom? Which would you rather have? Solomon chose wisdom. And God granted riches and wealth on to, him, you know, to him in addition. But it's that one choice that characterized his life from that day forward. To trust in God's grace and strength and, and to choose daily to walk in a, a gift of divine wisdom rather than just try to make it in the world on his own. And there's a lot that we can learn from Solomon's life. And there's a lot that we can reflect on with that choice that God gave him as well. Because the truth is, is that God opens that, that path of wisdom up to all of us. And one of the results of him choosing that path was this book of Proverbs, which he wrote most of. And, and there's a lot of practical day-to-day -day wisdom in there for us. A lot, of, a lot of really good advice and wisdom on, uh, you know, go to these kinds of places and not these kinds of places. Do these kinds of things and not these kinds of things. And really the whole crux of it is, is if we learn to prioritize God in our lives and revere God above all and put our trust in God and lean not on our own understanding, then the result of that is learning to live well over time because it's not instantaneous but learning to live well with God and with those around us and with ourselves. So that's kind of the invitation that Proverbs puts before us. Um, so we're going to be in chapter 20, verse 24, like I said tonight. And here's our text. It says, All our steps are ordered by the Lord. How then can we understand our own ways? Well, that's a tough question, isn't it? And see, the thing is, this, this proverb doesn't stand alone. There's a handful of them that sound something like this. Um, one that was very important, formative in my early life was Proverbs 16, 9. You know, uh, a person plans uh, you know, his course, but the Lord determines his steps. 
Um, that, that was very formative for me when I was back when I was in youth group. My youth pastor told me to meditate on that verse and, you know, and, and try to live with it. I have not yet to this day figured it out, and it's been over two decades, but still I continue to live with it. And I find the same challenge in, in this one that we have before us tonight. Because there's that thought that God, who is above all, sets things in motion. And yet, what is our role to play in that? That question is before all of us. And there's one way of reading this that if we take that question at the end, how then can a person understand his ways? Um, If we just take that question as rhetorical and be like, maybe there's not a way to answer that, then we could interpret that in a way, and some people do, to think that God has just determined everything ahead of time and that set things in motion, you know, kind of that clockmaker up in the heavens and and the gears are turning and the sprockets are turning and and just things are going to happen and there's nothing that we can do about it. And if we take that verse, just isolate it by itself, and we try to understand it that way, then we miss it. Because the truth is, is that Proverbs overall teaches us that we have choice in the matter. We're encouraged over and over and over again to make good and godly decisions that affect the course of our lives. And so there's like a little bit of a balance, a tension there. On one hand, we have this almighty, sovereign God who is above all and over all, who created us and who orders our steps. And then also, we have a role to play in this. Where do those two things meet? How do those two things match up? And it's a question that we can live with our entire lives. And you see, it's not even just Proverbs that puts this before. Scripture more widely invites us into this space too to consider God's role over and above all in our lives and putting our own, our own plans, those things that we want to control in life kind of in the, in the wider perspective, in the bigger picture of God's plans. Like over in the book of James in, in chapter four in, in the New Testament, you know, James, and, and we love James in the Methodist world because James is the guy who says, hey, faith and works go together. That makes a lot of sense for us that we must have faith and put our trust in God and then also do what we need to do to work it out and show it with our hands and feet and our words in life. That makes a lot of sense. And then over in chapter four, he says, you know, but it's also, I'll paraphrase here, it's also kind of foolish to say that, well, this year I'm gonna go to this city and conduct business and go here and do that because really we don't know what God's plans are in the end. And I also think back about in, the, in Acts chapter 5, the rabbi Gamaliel. And the early church is picking up some steam. And Peter and, and James and John are walking around doing their thing. And, 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 and people are coming to faith in Christ and being baptized. And the church is growing in Jerusalem. And some of the authorities have problems with that. And they're trying to stop it. And one of the members of the Sanhedrin, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, speaks to his brothers there in the, in, in the assembly. And he says, hey, guys, listen. If this is of God, there's nothing you can do about it to stop it. And if it's not of God, it won't last. And there's wisdom in that. And so over and over again in Scripture, we're invited into that place to think about the role of God in our lives and the choices that we have to make to get in tune and walk along with him. But see, there's, uh, this isn't always true. We have really good English translations of the Bible, and I'm thankful for that. But there's something in this text tonight that I want us to consider. And it's in the first line of that verse. It says, all our steps are ordered by the Lord. And in Hebrew, it literally says 
God orders the steps of a geber in Hebrew. A righteous man, a strong man, a mighty man is what, it was what that means. And it's not your typical kind of generic word for human being. Uh, in Hebrew, that's Adam, and we get that in the next part of the verse. But in particular, it uses this word for a strong or a mighty person. We find it used in other places, and when it's used in the feminine form, it often refers to a queen or a female royal official. We have uh, King Solomon himself actually has a royal official named Geber who is over um, you know, one, of the, one of the vast tracts of land that grows food for the royal palace and feeds Solomon and his family. And that particular tract of land has different warring kings that come in. And so this man named Geber, this mighty strong man, has to, has to not only grow food for the palace and bear that responsibility, but also fight off all of these invaders. And he's the kind of guy you want for that. But the adjective form of that, gibor, is actually the Hebrew word for strong or mighty. And we also pick it up in another place over in the book of Daniel in chapter 8 and 9 there, where we meet somebody named uh, Gabriel. And his name means mighty man of God. And who is Gabriel? But the arc, one of the archangels of the heavenly host. He's not just an angel, he's a mighty, strong angel. And so why would Solomon use that word there? That all the steps that God orders the steps of a mighty or a strong person. Well, the th question that we have to ask there is, well, then what, is, what does that mean? Because when we look at what mighty and strong means in the world around us, we, it's kind of obvious, right? If you're bigger, badder, better, stronger, good. That's what that means. But when we look through the lens of Scripture, what we see is strength is found in weakness. Strength is found in humility. Strength is found in things like patience. Strength is found in doing what oftentimes looks opposite of strong to the world. That's what the gospel teaches us. And so if we're going to be these kind of people who says our steps are ordered by the Lord, we're falling into line with, with how he is calling us to live, then we have to ask this question as 2024 begins. What does it look like for me to be that kind of person in the eyes of God? And so as we, as we um, look at that, we, the scripture calls us to, to notice two things. And the first one is this. We have to realize our own limitations. Not fun, I know. But it's worthwhile. It's necessary. See, uh, the thing is, is that faith requires humility. And the way of Jesus is to take up our cross and, and follow him daily and, and deny ourselves. And in that we find true strength. But one of the ways that we have to realize our own limitations, especially as we begin a new year, is to kind of think about one of those things in life that we all, I think all of us like to control. Timing. If you give me the choice between having something fast and waiting for it, guess which one I'm choosing? I like things that come quickly, right? I like things that show up and it's done and it's ready to go. As a matter of fact, I'd like to introduce you to the newest member of the Reeves household, the newest member of our family. I think I have a picture of it, yeah. The air fryer. What a beautiful, wonderful invention. 
We got on the Instapot uh, craze kind of early, and it never quite panned out. We just weren't big crockpot people to begin with. Like, love the Instapot world, great, not knocking it, just didn't fit our rhythms. But this thing, this thing is incredible. Have you had warmed up pizza in this thing, like leftover pizza? It's like new pizza when it comes out. And all the little stuff that the kids like to eat, you know, like the chicken tenders and, and uh, onion rings and tater tots, all, the, all that stuff. You try to cook that in the oven and it always comes out soggy. Not with this thing. This is amazing. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, we had, right after we got it, and I was trying to cook everything I could in it because I wanted to see what worked. We had uh, tacos and, uh, or fajitas for dinner, and I was going to have leftovers the next night. And we got the little dual drawer one. So on the left side, I put, you know, the fajita meat and the peppers and onions, all that stuff was left over on the right side. I was like, I'm just going to heat the tortillas up in this thing because it'll heat them up, right? So I put three tortillas in there, hit the button, turned it on. And within a couple of minutes, there was smoke pouring out of the top of it. And so I turned it off and I opened the drawer. And in the drawer were two tortillas. And I knew that I'd put three in there, but I, didn't, I couldn't find the third one. Well, it turns out that there's a current of air and it pushes you know, up. And so it sucked a tortilla up against the burner on the top of it and burned it, just charred it, and it was all stuck in there. And I had to do the thing that you don't do with appliances and put a fork in there and try to work it off of there. Uh, <laughs> and I realized that in my haste, I had kind of overlooked what might actually work. I was in a little bit too much of a hurry. But that's the thing is we all think that the faster something happens, the better. When really in life, it's kind of the opposite that's true. See, as of tonight, um, the DFW Metroplex is going to experience something that, that we kind of see has taken a long time coming. So if you go home tonight and you turn on the Cowboys game, um, and if you're not a Cowboys fan in here, then I apologize, but at least we're all aware of the narrative, right? One of the biggest stories this week, Coach Jimmy Johnson finally getting into the Cowboys ring of honor. Finally. Now, he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. He has a gold jacket, all that, but the team Hall of Fame, that ring of honor, it's been a long time coming. And finally, after almost 30 years, the coach that came and brought two Super Bowls to Dallas in the early 90s, when I was a kid up in Arkansas, I still remember how exciting this was. I'm... I'm old enough to have actually been to more than one Cowboy Super Bowl parties, and I don't even know when the next one will be. I hope it's soon. <laughs> but it seems like so long ago that I was out on the playground at Eastside Elementary arguing with Cliff and Andrew by the Jungle Gym about the Cowboys were going to beat the Bills uh, and, and win the Super Bowl because they had the team, and we were all so excited. And it seems like ancient history. And after that little run, we won't get into the you know, the politics of it. We all know how difficult and intricate this story gets over through time uh, with the personalities involved. But as we saw players come and go and get in the ring of honor and, and, and make it up there, why Coach Jimmy just was always left out. And it seems like it's just been such a long time coming. And when I was listening to sports radio earlier this week, um, one of the guys on the radio said, you know, there's going to be a lot of a lot of big men who don't show a lot of very many emotions uh, getting very emotional on Saturday night. This is a meaningful event in our area for this team and for, for Jimmy Johnson as a coach. And the thing is, it took a long time to come about. It's here. It feels good. It's kind of victory is sweet in all of this. We're all going to cherish and the moment and just enjoy it. And it took so long to get here. And I think about the Bible and how that goes. Think of the children of Israel. 
God rescues them from slavery in Egypt, pulls them out of this desperately bad situation and says, I have a place that I'm going to give you and it's going to be good and we're going to live in relationship in this promised land. And how long did it take? It took 40 years for them to get there. A whole generation in the life of the people. It eventually happened and it was, and it was good. And yet it took a lot longer to develop. Because you see, part of us realizing that God is who he is, is us kind of owning the fact that his timetable is a lot different than ours. And that's hard to hold sometimes. That's hard to understand. It's hard to make sense of. Like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't it just happen now? Why doesn't heaven just have an air fryer button that I can push, <laughs> Right? And get things cooked up the way I want them just, just right now, right in the here and now. And it's not the way it works. But what we do have is hope. We do have a God who orders our steps and sees the bigger picture. Because what I've learned about those moments in life when, when I haven't really enjoyed waiting, when I thought something was taking too long to develop, is that God was working on me in the meantime. That God isn't just God in those big moments and those moments of victory and celebration, but God is God in between those times too. And God has something to work on in me and through me, even when it doesn't seem like much is happening. And that takes patience. It takes humility. It takes surrendering all we have to his will and, and saying, Lord, will you lead and help me follow? And see, the other thing that this verse calls us to realize is that while we are limited, while we have limits, God is limitless. Exact opposite. God does not have limits. Because you see, we all look for those big moments. And yet what God calls us to see is that in his limitlessness, there's still this miracle kind of in the mundane the miraculous is happening in those in-between moments. Um, and isn't that what Christmas just taught us? Last week when we gathered and we celebrated, and we heard once again the proclamation that Christ is born in Bethlehem, giving hope to not just the people of that time and in that place, but to all of humanity and every place throughout all of time the good news that he has come and that he will come again. That's what we celebrated. And the thing is, is that God becoming human, how much more mundane can it get? God put on human flesh and came to live as one of us in the everyday, in the mess of it all. To know what it feels like to wait for hour after hour to pass and day after day and to long for a better time and to know what pain and suffering feel like, and to know what grief feels like, all of those things that make us human. God came down to experience that himself, and there's no bigger miracle than that. Now, this past week, we, um, Amber and I took advantage of a little bit of the, you know, the, the slower pace of Christmas break, and we, we finally had a date night, and for... Uh, 
people with a couple with three kids that does not come around very often and so we actually got to put on nice clothes um, relatively speaking I, I didn't dress that nice she dressed much nicer than I did um, but we actually got to eat at a restaurant that had things like sauteed mushrooms and asparagus and bruschette that's how you say it right I think yeah I don't eat at them enough to really know um, you know, we didn't eat somewhere where the main course was chicken fingers, and that's a big change for us. So in and of itself, that was a big miracle, just that we had a few moments to go and enjoy a nice grown-up adult meal, look at each other from across the table, and not deal with something flying in between, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and without making seven trips to the bathroom and, and, and all of those little things. It was in and of itself miraculous. And then on the way home, we did what, you know, people who have been married for 20 years do after having an enjoyable date night dinner. Uh, we stopped at Walmart to buy pull-ups um, <laughs> because our two-year-old's potty training and you know, we just said, run out. And so I said, well, there's a Walmart just down the road here. Let, let's stop in real quick on the way home. That way we don't have to get out tomorrow. It'll be nice and easy. And so we go in and you know, we walk in the store. You know, this is this past Thursday. I mean, we're right after Christmas. Walk in the door, and I immediately look to the right, you know, at the impulse buy section on the way in. I always, I always have to check that out. And I am met with a giant wall of frosted pink cookies and cupcakes with red and white sprinkles on them, and it hit me. Boy, the retail world has already forgotten about Christmas and has moved on to Valentine's Day. <laughs> You know, and, and throughout the store, there were little, you know, stations in the, in the main aisles of, you know, New Year's Eve party supplies and stuff. But mostly it's Valentine. We're now on Valentine's calendar. We've already moved on. I thought, man, how sad is that? That we just proclaim the greatest miracle in the history of the world. And the world around us has said, okay, well, that's cool. Let's move on to the next thing. And boy, folks, we've got to be very wary of that. We've got to be very wary of, of just moving beyond Christmas and listening to the world and, uh, around us that tells us that's over because the thing is, is it's not over. Christmas started something. It inaugurated something. It began something. And that something is not over. Not finished. We're in the midst of it right now, even in this moment. And will be when the calendar flips over to 12.01 a.m. on January the 1st. The work that God began in Christmas is ongoing. The work that God began in us, in our lives, as we gathered and worshiped last week and celebrated thing, good things like hope and joy and peace and faith. See, those things are still at work in us and are not done. The world around us cannot tell us that God has finished that and that we're on to the next thing. We've got to stay in that place. So how do we do that? How do we stay with it when the world around us moves, moves on? Well, there's a, another little vocabulary piece that we need to pay attention to in, the, in, the, in our verse for the night. Because when it says that God orders the steps of the, of the mighty or strong person, that word there is actually used, um, the word that's used is actually denotes to us marching or stepping in time as in like a you know a military would march in, in time or a, a great gathering like heading up to the temple you know the priest moving there's there's something about stepping in time 
together. There's something about finding that rhythm of walking together and, and, and following the one who sets that for us. Because as much practical wisdom as the book of Proverbs has, one of those things is it does give us guidance on how to live. All throughout scripture, but especially there in Proverbs, live this way. There are two paths, one of wisdom, one of foolishness. Make this choice and walk in this way. And so when Solomon chose that word, I think what he means to tell us is like, listen, this is, God provides an ordered way of stepping. God provides a rhythmic way of stepping and doesn't make us do it, but invites us to join in, invites us to step in time with him, invites us to say, Lord, here's my life. Will you use it as you will? Lord, will you teach me how to walk? Will you teach me how to step in this coming year? Will you help me walk in time with you on your time? Help me walk in rhythm with you as your heart beats for the world around me. And see, the thing is, is that God provides everything that we need for that journey. He gives us the opportunity to hang on to all that joy and hope and power that we experienced in Christmas by tuning our lives into him and stepping as he steps. So friends, the the key here to this verse of how do we understand our ways? How do we make sense of all this, of God calling us to live in a certain way and, and inviting us to step in rhythm with him and inviting us to be the kind of mighty and strong person that really when we look at through the eyes of the kingdom is, is one who is humble and meek. The thing is, is earlier in Proverbs, it gives us the answer. When it says back in Proverbs 3, lean not on your own understanding. Because my understanding gets me in trouble a lot. If I look at it through my eyes, if I look at every moment in my life with my limited knowledge, my limited understanding, I'm going to miss something. I'm going to look for what I want to see. I'm going to try to hear what I want to hear. And yet what God's saying to us all tonight is... Let me see it for you. Let me show you that there's more to it than you can sense right now. Let me show you that the picture is much bigger than you could ever imagine. Just begin to follow. And so may we be the kind of people tonight who embrace the power. As we enter into this new year, embrace the power of admitting that New Year's resolutions are not, I'm really, it's not up to me. My willpower simply will not work. I have limitations and I need God's strength at work in me. And may we trust in God's timing in every matter of our lives. I know that there are things in front of us right now that we wish we could push the fast forward button on or maybe even the rewind button on or maybe even the pause button on. But the thing is, is that there is wisdom in God's timing even if we cannot see it. And may we learn to march in time with God, in, in the divine rhythm, in that way before us that he sets, so that we can look around, so that we can see the miraculous work of the love of God in our everyday situations, especially in those in-between moments. So as we embark on a new year together, give God thanks for the last one, but look with hope on the new one. 
May we be ready for what he has in store for us. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the grace that you offer to all of us. We give you thanks for the fact that you are God above all and over all and that we are not. Because God, the truth is, is that we would mess it up royally. We know that from experience, Lord, and also from experience, we know that you provide everything that we need, that you guide us, that you provide wisdom, or that you see things that we can't see, or that you know what is ahead and what is behind, what is around. You know the very place that we stand in this very moment. And so, Lord, as we prepare to close out one year and open another, Lord, may tonight be not about what we plan to do in the, in the coming year, but about who we choose to follow. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.